Welcome to Wrestling City. It is a wrestling podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Ryan. And uh, the past three weeks have been kind of different for us. Ryan was uh, was moving for two of the weeks. He was taking care of things, settling in down in Florida. And uh, my lazy butt uh, kind of overslept last week, and that was kind of my fault. We would have had a show for you guys last week, but uh, <laughs> that was my fault. I'll take the blame for that. Uh, Ryan is down in Florida officially now. Um, I'm up in Pennsylvania, as always, uh, born and raised here. And uh, how's the weather down in Florida today, Ryan? That's my question, because I texted you a couple minutes ago saying that stupid me went outside in 49-degree weather, drove somewhere to pick something up before we started the show today, and it was 49 degrees, and I go out in shorts and a tank top, and I'm freezing. Thank you, Dodge, for putting uh, heated seats in my car, because I don't think I would have made the traveling if uh, I didn't have those heated seats to save me. So, how's the weather down in Florida, first off? You know, it's it's an overcast day, so uh, it's not like the sun shining, beautiful, but I'm looking out my window, I see palm trees, I see a swimming pool, life is good, I'm in shorts, I threw away my pants, <laughs> and my sneakers are locked in a box in the garage. I am living in Florida. So when we did our business meeting on on Thursday, you showed me a little bit of your view, and I I was super jealous. And sitting back thinking the last two days, like, I've been talking about when my daughter turns 18, I want to move to Florida or Hawaii, somewhere warm, I'm done with this cold, I have four more years of dealing with this cold officially, and then I could say goodbye to Pennsylvania if I really wanted to. I was super jealous. You got a beautiful, beautiful view. I I mean, um, and, and you get to enjoy pro wrestling again as a fan live and i know we were and in a couple moments here we're gonna get into uh talking about smackdown and raw first but what what is it like with the pandemic happening right now because i had experience in the thunderdome and i was in one of the i was on one of the screens two weeks ago on raw on one of the screens behind another screen and all i could see is my hair and I was kind of like, why did I waste two and a half hours for them to invite me on to Raw at 10.45 for the main event just to see my hair? You get to see pro wrestling live at Daly's Place for AEW. What is it like, that atmosphere, just being there again? Yeah, so like like you mentioned, um, I went to Dynamite um, two weeks ago. So not this past week, the one before. Um, it's really, I mean, it's it's it's... It's live pro wrestling, so you've got that. But it's it is different. Um, atmosphere might be a little bit different than what you might expect, but in some ways it's kind of nice because you sit, you're sitting, and there's not somebody sitting right on top of you. You know, like it's, it's not crammed in there like sardines. So there's nobody sitting in front of me blocking my view. There's nobody sitting directly to my left. Um, you know, sitting half in my chair. <laughs> Anything like that. You don't have to worry about a fan that wants to hold up a sign, putting a sign in front of your face, or, you know, somebody that may be taller than you that might be like seven foot six in front of you and you can't see over them to see the entrances. And and what we see on TV is we see the fans that are just in the stands of Daily Place. You're not allowed to sit ringside as far as I know. Nope. But you're in the stands where even though if somebody that was seven feet tall was standing in front of you, you could probably still see over them. Yeah, so I had I had a family, um, a mom and a dad and a little boy that were, I think, three rows in front of me, and they had a sign that said, um, "I'm four years old and here to see John Moxley," which is 
you. But they held that sign up, and and for the brief moments that they held the sign up, it, I did have a bit of an obstructed view, but it wasn't like they were sitting in front of me. Because if they were sitting in front of me holding it up, I would have a completely obstructed view. So it's interesting. You you drive into uh, the Daly's Place parking lot, which is at the football stadium, and they have all these cones set up. And you're and at first you're like, man, am I even in the right parking lot? Because look at all these cones. It looks like I'm not supposed to be here. But what they did is they they put cones in like every other spot to kind of keep people socially distanced and to, to encourage that. And then. You get up to go get in the queue to like get in the get in the arena, and you you space yourself out. You know your party is the six feet or so, so the line is spacious. Um, and then as you get towards the door, they do a temperature check before you get out, go in, and then you go in. And there's limited concessions. You can get you know you can you can get like a hot dog and a slice of pizza. Um, but most of the stuff is prepackaged. Like you can get a bottle of soda, um, not a fountain drink, but a bottle, and you know a Snickers bar or whatever. Almost like a snack pack type of deal. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um, there's no merchandise, which was, which I was kind of bummed about. But I think I feel like those SCU shirts that say uh, 2020s, you know, the worst year I've ever lived in. I feel like those shirts would be selling like crazy, even to the you know five six hundred of us that are in the arena. And I, yeah, like you said, you think that that would be a hot item that would sell. I mean, other things that I think would be hot items too is you go on AEWshop.com or AllEliteWrestlingShop.com, whatever it is. You know, they're selling the masks and uh, they even have like Chris Jericho's handkerchief that you can buy that you can use as a mask nowadays. Um, I mean, me personally, I use a handkerchief as a mask. I don't use the regular traditional medical mask. I don't use the custom-made traditional medical mask. I use a handkerchief. Because I feel like I can breathe better through that um, at the same time. I mean, and there's been no confirm, confirmation that masks even help because of, you know, the high rates of COVID-19. You know, people are still getting sick. Things are still shutting down. I mean, my daughter, she's been doing online classes since she started. She just started ninth grade a couple weeks ago. So, and they were talking about, oh, come November that our school district was going to open up, but... Honestly, I don't think it's going to, you know, and a lot of kids and the rates around here, surprisingly for kids, is grades are actually going up because they have more rest. So classes on certain days, for example, my daughter on Monday doesn't have a class until 10 o'clock, so she can sleep until 9. And her grades are phenomenal from her classes from Monday. She has classes on Tuesday and Thursday that start at 8 o'clock, but even though she has to wake up early, her grades are phenomenal. So... I think stuff like that would definitely sell great, especially you're in a venue that's a wrestling venue, and those are wrestling items with logos on it, with sayings on it. I mean, even with the pay-per-views happening, you know, if you see some of the pay-per-view shirts, like, you know, um, like when they did uh, Double or Nothing, you know, Double or Nothing was originally supposed to be in Vegas. And then it was held in Daly's place, and they made the shirt, that, that special shirt for double or nothing. Yeah. And they sold it online. So <laughs> items like that, I think would definitely, definitely sell great. I mean, I know you, me and you spoke about this a little bit that you have a season pass to be going to dynamite the next couple weeks. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully they have something. I would definitely walking in, say something to them and say, look, yeah. I think these items would sell. I like Pat, Pat's pass this on to TK. You know what? I'm going to tweet him. 
You know, I think these things would sell if you put them out there. I mean, you know. So, but nonetheless, I, I mean, that's just got to feel great to just be at a venue to see see live. And we're going to talk AEW a little bit. And I'm, I definitely have some questions for you because of the fact that you were there two weeks ago. And how you felt about some things. But, first off, we're going to talk a little bit about WWE. SmackDown and Raw. And the first thing I want to kick off with, and... The one thing that I have to talk about that I really, really want to talk about is the fact of Roman Reigns. Since he has returned, we've seen him come back at SummerSlam. A week later, won the Universal Championship against The Fiend. We see Paul Heyman by his LL, wins the Universal title from The Fiend in a triple threat match with Braun Strowman. And he pinned Braun Strowman to win the title. He's been with Paul Heyman since. And a lot of people have put him in that moniker of, oh, this is Brock Lesnar 2.0. And I don't see any of a Brock Lesnar 2.0 in him. I see a Roman Reigns who is saying, you know what? Back then he said, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. And now I feel like him saying that a few years ago, he's showing it now. But he has a different attitude towards it. And... I was not a huge Roman Reigns fan, but now he's making me a fan. I'm enjoying his work. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting variation from his previous, you know, character. And we'll see where it goes, whether I can see there's some Brock Lesnar tendencies and flavors. I can see where people might think that. But the, the one thing that's mostly different... I would say right off the bat is he's not on the show every week. May not have a match every week, but he's on the show every week. Yeah. And we did not have that with Brock Lesnar. He was an absent absent champion, and I think that's what people didn't like about him. So if Roman is a dominant champion but a present champion, I think people will uh, will enjoy that. I mean, in the same sense, the Fiend would have been a present champion that didn't wrestle very much so you know like i said we'll, we'll see how this plays out right now that difference is making uh making all the difference to me now one thing one thing the comparison to brock lesnar is yes roman reigns is there every week and the other thing is too is he speaks he talks for himself he doesn't have paul Heyman doing it all the time it's almost like it's almost like and we've seen this you know, again, and we're going to talk about AEW a little later, but we've seen it with AEW with Brian Cage and Taz. Taz would stand in front of Brian Cage, and where Paul Heyman stands next to Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman stands behind Roman, yeah, and gives Roman that spotlight that Roman should be having. And again, you said he may not, he may not, you know, wrestle every week, but he shows up every week. One thing I would have to argue is we did see a lot of Brock Lesnar towards the back end of 2019. And after the Royal Rumble, when Drew McIntyre won, we did see a lot of Brock Lesnar on Raw. And since WrestleMania, since losing the belt, yes, we haven't seen Brock Lesnar. And I know there's been news and speculation Brock didn't sign a new contract. He's done with WWE. But we did in the back end of 2019, probably around October once SmackDown hit Fox, 
and he won the WWE Championship, we did see a little bit more of Brock going into his match with Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. We may not have seen him wrestle, but we did see him on various episodes of Raw. We've seen him probably once every two weeks. Unlike the past, where we would see him come in, win a championship, leave, gone for three, four months, and then wrestle again. So, my argument on this is the fact that we did see Brock more on the back end of 2019. But before that, we didn't see a lot of Brock Lesnar. Well, Roman Reigns, yes, I agree. We see him every week. And I think he is going to be one of these champions. We are going to see him... I think we are going to see him hold that universal title. Um, I know, uh, you know, last week on SmackDown, we've seen Alexa Bliss standing on the ramp on the stage looking at Roman Reigns and pretty much sending that message he never forgets. And we know that he never forgets is the fiend. <clears throat> my, my, my thing is, is have Roman face other people. He's in a great storyline right now with his cousins, with the Usos. And we've seen at Clash of Champions, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. Jey Uso, again, put up a good fight. When he had the offense, he put up the good fight. There were times where I thought, personally, Jey Uso was going to win this match. Now, being a fan of the business for the past 30 years, you kind of learn that, okay, you have that underdog go in. Just like we're going to see on NXT TakeOver, we have Kyle O'Reilly challenging for the NXT title. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you had that underdog in Jay Uso, where we know Jimmy right now is out with an injury, almost win the Universal title until Roman basically said, you know what, I'm going to take over this match, and Jimmy comes down, throws in the towel. Yeah, I mean, that the match, I, never at any point did I say to myself, Jay has a realistic chance at winning, but I said, "Man, if this, if we can make have a really competitive match here, maybe Jay Uso comes out as you know more than what he went in with. You know, maybe he maybe his star rises." Um, and I think that in some cases we saw that. Um, in other ways, he was kind of massacred towards the end of the match. Now WWE must have saw something because they didn't. You know, we're going back to that. And I think we'll talk about that as we transition to uh, last night's SmackDown. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it, it didn't lift Jey Uso up a ton, but it lifted him up. It showed what he could do as a singles guy. And the storyline is very good. Well, the one thing the one thing that I had that I said on Sunday, and, and, and I have a cousin who is a couple years younger than me. He started watching the business probably like mid-Attitude Era. And the one thing I said to him was, in the Attitude Era, we had some really, really good storylines. We had some really good builds. Some of the favorite storylines were Stone Cold and The Rock. You know, Triple H and The Rock. You know, Triple H and Stone Cold. Great storylines like that. And you had the emotional investment. And this match, literally, and I will say this right now, a WWE match or storyline has not had me emotionally invested as much as that match had me emotionally invested. I sat here and I was locked in. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would say that um, in recent years, yes, WWE hasn't gotten that kind of like um, attachment from me when it comes to the storylines. Perhaps the Kofi Kingston 
stuff from two years ago yes. um, is one that I'd mentioned where, you know, lots of people got emotionally invested, uh, not just myself. But yeah, I, you know, that is the one really good th- That's why I say the story, the storyline is really, really good because you can tell there's more there. There's a history. They had video packages of the family speaking about it. Um, even Paul Heyman, you know, he, you know, he tried to invoke the power of the names, you know, the Rock and Yokozuna and things like that, just, just trying to say, hey, this is a family. They grew up together and they fought together and they fought each other, and now we're seeing them fight each other on on the big stage. And uh, and as Paul Heyman says and speaks about the family, the Samoan family, you know, again, our podcast is called Wrestling City for a reason. Because I'm up here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where a lot of WWF slash E got recorded, and we also have the local promotion WXW, which is ran by AFA. He okay. owns it, you know. Sam Samu, um, Sam Samu. He he runs. He basically does the day to day now for the promotion. So, you know, I was able to. Um, I, I used to run for an emergency management, and I used to do security for the promotion. They used to do their shows at our borough hall that I ran for, and so I got to see some of the superstars that you're seeing on TV today. Because this was back in 2007, and I believe, if I'm correct, I have seen the Usos before they hit WWE TV. I've met Afa, I've met his wife, you know, so kind of kind of looking and watching the heritage of the Samoan heritage kind of be on TV, and seeing the pictures and seeing the video packages and stuff like that, I'm like, wow, like, I, I got to see some of this. I got to personally see some of this back in the day, early 2000s. And I think that's why I got that emotional investment is because it, it's like I was kind of connected because they mention where I'm from in some of these packages. Not only here, but on other podcasts and other shows that are done for rest, pro wrestling. And it's really cool just to have that feeling. And then... You're down in Florida where everything's based now, and you get to see, you know, not WWE, but AEW, you get to see things progress live. And once things start opening up, and to give you some information on this, AFA moved the WXW brand down to Florida. WXW is still up here, but it has the moniker C4 on it. So it's a little bit of difference. So what's really cool is once things open up, you'll be able to go to a local promotion of WXW and see some of the superstars that we may see in the next 10 years. Yeah, it's cool. You know. cool. That's, that's, one of the, that's one of the awesome things about going to see any independent wrestling is that you can, can, can kind of get in on the ground floor with some of these guys, you know, it's, and just see them sort of before their stars. And some guys you see that, you know, never make it out of the indies, and some guys are lifers on the indies, and you grow to enjoy them for what they are as well. And if you've ever, um, and I know we're getting a little off track here, and we'll get right back on track. I just want to mention this: if you ever seen the movie The Wrestler, yep. Okay, they mention you know that first scene that you see, he's wrestling for basically the WXW brand, but it's under a different name because a lot of the WXW guys are actually on scene for that. Oh, interesting. So you know, so some of the guys you see in that first scene, I've seen them. I've seen them live, and they are. 
they are hell of wrestlers. Like, amazing, amazing. And some of them are still doing the local promotion to this day. Because they're so keen in and they know they can make their money on the indies because the indies are thriving. So, but it was just really cool. And they mentioned, you know, they mentioned where I live. They mentioned Allentown, Pennsylvania there. But also just seeing, like, you see the scene where he goes to the pharmacy to pick up his medications. That's half his daughter that's serving him, that's that's taking care of him. Uh, I've met her. I've seen her. I know her. So, like, that's the cool thing about the indies is, like, you can go and see them. And then next thing you know, you watch a movie. Oh, my God, they're there. Like, that's yeah. really cool just to see them on that big screen. So, but kind of breaking off track here a little bit. Um, we had SmackDown last night. And, um... Some interesting things happened. And one interesting thing was, and and I was kind of putting this out there on social media and everything like that. When you looked at the, uh, the, we had this, this secret thing going on for the past couple weeks and we didn't know who it was. People were saying, you know, Summer Rae was coming back. People were saying it was Carmella, which obviously again, it was because it was finally revealed. I thought it was Charlotte Flair. Coming back, no, I, I, I thought it was Charlotte Flair coming back with a whole new monitor. Because when you looked, you seen like the back of her, the muscular. Like I was like, wow, that's that looks like Charlotte Flair. The hairline looked like Charlotte Flair. I'm like, it's got to be Charlotte Flair coming back with a whole different moniker. But then I thought, at the same time, she can ruin her character in a sense doing this. Because if she doesn't come back as Charlotte Flair, as obviously she would come back as Charlotte Flair, but if she wouldn't come back with the whole thing of of having almost like what her dad and her past character, or her current character, I should say, you know, I feel like with her being the 10, 10-time champion, you know, it would kind of ruin her a little bit. So then I sat back and thought to myself, maybe this is Carmella, and it ends up being Carmella. Yep, and uh, her line, her lines from this promo was you know she's better than all of us and she's not our princess anymore so the princess of Staten Island yeah my um my initial thought on this and I think I put this out on social media myself um I'd kind of like the fiend to walk by and do what he did to Alexa Bliss and kill this character now (laughs) (laughs) before it even kind of gets started I'm already Thinking this is not going to go well, go as well as we'd hope. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of like let's make the first feud with Alexa Bliss. <laughs> See and, how it goes. And that, and honestly, I agree with you on this because of the fact of Alexa Bliss, her character has taken a huge 360 turn. You know, she's gonna, she's obviously with the Fiend. You know, almost like a resurgence of like a sister Abigail. But no, I agree with you because it reminds me of. You know, is she going to pull off the whole thing of what we've seen with Lacey Evans the first couple months? You know, she would make an appearance, come down, walk back up the ramp, and do nothing. Are we going to see, you know, what, what, uh, what, um, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank. The, the, the one that always came to the ring, she had her mishaps and had to leave the ring, never really wrestled. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but she's no longer with WWE anyways. But, um. Yeah, I, I just have a feeling that this character is going to be one of those characters that we're not going to see in the ring for a while. She's basically going to make an appearance and walk away. And that's the one thing that, that kills me is Carmella 
was is not bad in the ring. You know, you've seen her progression from week to week once she, like, won Money in the Bank, won the SmackDown Women's title. She had some really good matches. She was getting better. And now, then we've seen her in some really good, really, really good segments with R-Truth, teaming up with R-Truth, and all of a sudden we don't see her, and now she's coming back as a different character. And I have a feeling that th this character is not going to work out for her. She kind of referenced those things in her promo. She's, you know, like... I, I was dancing and smiling and, you know, that's what she meant by she's saying she's not our princess anymore. Um, so, yeah, she kind of went, she kind of touched on that stuff that, you know, where did all that get me? Nowhere. But, frankly, man, if they didn't split her with truth, if they kept those two together, that was an awesome act. But, but yeah, I, I don't have good feelings about this, but, um, but, the one thing, I mean, we, we started this segment by talking about the Jey Uso and Roman Reigns stuff from Clash of Champions. And the show kicked off last night with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman coming down to the ring. And Roman immediately called Jey Uso out. He said, get down here. We need to talk. Roman, Roman kind of put it down in, in Jey's face and said, look, you know, I'm, I provide for this family, and I was trying to get you in the main event. I was trying to get your name on the marquee. You were never going to win. But you, I, I was trying to give you your moment. And he said, you disrespected me by not, you know, by not acknowledging me. He said, you know, acknowledge me now. And Jay refused. And so then Roman says, what, you want another match? You got it. another match at Hell in the Cell. He said, but this time, the stipulation is going to be um, the most, I don't remember what the exact words, most impressive or most um, critical or it's a stipulation that we've never seen before in WWE or something like that. So I don't know what that's going to be, um, but we're going straight back to Jay vs. Roman at Hell in the Cell. And, that, and that's... That's the thing is, what stipulation are we going to see, especially with it being at Hell in a Cell? I mean, they're inside the Thunderdome. They're obviously going to do the pay-per-view inside the Thunderdome because they're done at the end of the month at Amway Center. Um, they no longer have the deal. And we spoke about this a little bit. Uh, the end of the month, they're done at Amway Center, and they're talking about traveling a little bit, but it's basically going to be at venues at, in, in Florida. And there's not too many venues in Florida. I mean, you do got the Miami Heats uh, Arena, uh, you have Amway Center for Orlando. I mean, there's, you know, and there, there's not many places they can go. I mean, they have the money to resign to keep the Thunderdome going. Why not keep the Thunderdome going? You know, and they're obviously going to do hell in a cell there. So hopefully we get some kind of answer on what stipulations is going to be. It's going to be interesting to find out uh, what stipulation they're going to be using. Maybe a hell in a cell match with, you know, weapons like we've seen a couple years ago with Jericho and and, and uh, now John Moxley, Dean Ambrose at the time. You know, maybe we'll see something like that. Maybe we're going to see a triple cage. You know, a double cage. Something we've seen in WCW a couple years ago. You know, stipulations out there like you said. And, and just to let you guys know, um, uh, Ryan's touching a little bit of base on SmackDown, giving us full in because of the fact that I did miss SmackDown last night. Um... My recorder uh, did not set on SmackDown. So, we're, 
we're running back on what happened on SmackDown. You said with with uh, the Jimmy, uh, the Jay Uso and Roman Reigns deal. So hopefully we find out um, soon what that stipulation is going to be. It should be interesting. Hopefully, um, I know. You know so, that, so that that segment, you know, it ends with Roman just kind of leaves and he leaves Jay in the ring, um, and that's when Jay calls out to him and says, "You know, I accept the challenge. You know, I accept whatever the stipulation is, whatever the match is." Roman leaves, and as Roman leaves, AJ Styles comes out. So now you have AJ Styles in the ring. He's saying, hey, Jay, you know, great match. Nobody thought you were going to win. Why don't you give that opportunity to somebody who could possibly win, right? And, and I think in a lot of ways, AJ's hitting on some stuff that we believe, right? Like, nobody really thinks that Jay Uso had a chance of winning at Clash of Champions. And frankly... I don't think a lot of people are thinking he's got a chance at hell in the cell. So AJ's AJ's kind of, you know, hitting it home. Um, well, that leads to a brawl, and then that leads to a match. And now you have Jay Uso getting a pin on AJ Styles. So we're doing a little bit of, you know, like maybe there's some rehab going on Jay Uso, giving him some wins, make him look credible. I, I still think by the time the end of the month comes and we see hell in the cell, I don't think he'll be quite there where we think he could actually beat Roman, but it's nice to see the effort put forward and, you know, to build him up as a credible challenger. And, and again, with AJ Styles coming out, I mean, I'm a huge AJ Styles fan. I'd follow his whole career, you know, from him going into TNA in 2002, you know, him going over to Japan after he left TNA, and then obviously coming over to WWE. He did some indie stuff in between Japan and TNA. And the indie stuff was a little hard to follow. It's pretty much what you see on social media is what you got. You know, but I followed everything you could possibly see. You know, even, like I mentioned, I don't get to see New Japan, but he had a lot of stuff on social media that he did over in New Japan. So I was able to follow it. Um, I followed his whole career. I'm a huge fan of AJ Styles. I met the guy a couple times. He's a really nice guy. But we've seen him and Roman in the past battle for the championship, and Roman has always gotten over on him. This is a stronger Roman Reigns than then. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying AJ Styles is weak, but we're getting a stronger Roman Reigns. Yeah. So, is there even a belief that AJ can go over on Roman at this point? Not right now. I think it's too early in, in Roman's run. I don't think anybody's beating him for a while. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Roman Reigns storyline plays out. I think that's what we were kind of indicating in our opening segment, talking about the Clash match. But, yeah, right, right now, I, I'm not seeing anybody that I think is realistically uh, a challenger that could take Roman down. And I'll even include The Fiend in that. I, I really don't think that if they had a match at home, so it would work out in, in Bray Wyatt's favor. I, I highly agree. I think I think right now, I mean, we have a few people that have had, you know, wins over the Fiend. We've seen Braun Strowman do it. We've seen Goldberg do it. You know, we've now seen Roman Reigns. Well, Roman Reigns really didn't get a pinfall win over the Fiend. He got the pinfall win over Braun Strowman. You know, but we've seen a couple people already, you know, get, get a pinfall win on the Fiend. we even seen last year's Hell in a Cell where the match had to be called because... You know, excuse my language, Seth Rollins lost his shit and threw stuff onto The Fiend to where they called the match. You know, they pretty much, 
And, and the, the Fiend is a very strong character. The problem is, is he showed up at SummerSlam last year, had almost a perfectional dominant, you know, if I'm using the right words, perfectional dominant uh, match over Finn Balor. I mean, Finn Balor did get some offense on him, but he dominated Finn Balor. And we've seen matches with him, you know, against, you know, I mean, The Miz didn't get The Fiend. The Miz got Bray Wyatt back at TLC. But we've seen, you know, The Fiend have the weaknesses. And it's almost like we have a strong character, but not a physically strong character, if that makes sense. Well, I think that, I think you had... Um... I have to go back and check, but the fiend really hasn't been uh, beaten as I don't think as much as as much as you think. The fiend, the fiend lost to Goldberg. Yes. And the fiend beat Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. Yes. Um, Bray Wyatt has been beaten. Um, dressed as Bray Wyatt, you know, with the sweater and everything like that. Bray Wyatt's been beating a bunch. But The Fiend, when he comes out with the mask, I think Goldberg might be the only person who has pinned him. Now, at Payback, Roman got the title by beating Braun Strowman. Yes. So, The Fiend is... I think the... the so, yes, we see the weakness in The Fiend. You mentioned Seth Rollins also got the W there because of referee stoppage. Um... So yeah, you get the weakness, but I agree the fact that we, he has lost a little steam. You know, he got the big win at SummerSlam, then he lost steam um, coming out of Payback, and we've got an interesting storyline with Alexa Bliss. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Clearly, there's something happening with Kevin Owens yes. now, and we're going to get a couple of wins, build the Fiend back up to where he is a monster again. And then you have a, a, a battle of Roman Reigns. Now, I do have a, a question for you. We, we've seen, you said we've seen Kevin Owens on SmackDown last night. And we have the WWE draft coming up next week. Um, so, they're kind of giving the little snippets of, you know, SmackDown people going to Raw, Raw people going to SmackDown. So, we have a storyline going on right now between Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. But then we see Kevin Owens on SmackDown and The Fiend going after Kevin Owens. Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure, you know, Kevin Owens did a, did a nice job of trying to bring those together. He say, he's, you know, he had the Kevin Owens show on SmackDown last night. And his special guest was Alexa Bliss. And the reasoning is, I want to talk to you, Alexa, because clearly you had this interaction um, and something has changed or snapped in your head. Well, the guy I'm dealing with over on Raw, Alistair Black, something snapped in his head. So I'm trying to hear from you. Tell me what's going on with you so that it can help me understand what's going on with Alistair Black. So he kind of tried to bring those two things together. Now, you brought up the draft. Interesting point. Um, do we get an abrupt end to this Alistair Black feud as Owens pivots to the Fiend? Is it a bump in the road? I'm not really sure. What I do know is that Monday on Raw, they have advertised another Kevin Owens show where he has invited Bray Wyatt. So that's on the docket for Monday. 
We'll gotcha. see what we learn from that. Gotcha. So SmackDown has basically been a huge, interesting, and I, I'll say this right now, during this whole pandemic era, I mean, if, if you had to kind of pick what side you think is more interesting going on right now, I would have to definitely say SmackDown is the better, interesting um, show between the both. But a lot of interesting things, and to switch gears a little bit here, a lot of interesting things going on on Raw. Yeah, it's very interesting. You you bring that point up about SmackDown being the better show. I can't get over how different they are. They just feel very, very different. And that's not a bad Um, thing. No, it's actually, it's it's surprising when you look at the fact that they're both in Amway Center, they both are in Thunderdome, they look presentation-wise pretty close to the same, but the shows have a different feeling. Raw does feel a little more gritty. It's got that underground stuff. It's got more gritty characters and storylines. Um, SmackDown, cartoonish isn't the right way to, to say it, but maybe it's got a little bit more comedy with you got Miz and Morrison on there. And, um, and then you got the Firefly Funhouse, which is a comedy portion of the, um, the Bray Wyatt character. Um, and then you got Matt Riddle, which is a bucket of laughs, and so is the Lucha House Party. So, you know, so it just it's kind of like a funny, comedy, more lighthearted wrestling show where Raw is a bit more gritty because they're very different at this point. But yes, interesting things going on in Raw. What do you want to kick one, off with? One thing I want to touch base on, and and we talked about in week one, I believe it was, we spoke about who has been the All Stars since the pandemic. And one person that, you know, and a lot of people are kind of talking about it, but at the same time not talking about it, Zelina Vega has been a star. We've seen her break away from, from Andrade and, um, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on who he is. Uh, and Garza. Yeah, Garza. Angel Garza. We see her break away from them, and we see her go to Clash Champions, and challenge Asuka for the Raw Women's title. Had a really good showing. But then the following night on Raw, she challenges Asuka again and has an even better showing. Selena Vega, not only as a manager, has been an all-star, but in her short, short time in the ring, has been amazing in my eyes. I think Selena Vega, in the future, is going to capture that Raw Women's Championship from Asuka. I want to see. I, I want to see what happens next for Selena Vega. A little tough because she went in and first thing she did was go after Asuka. Um, I think yeah, the the matches were were good. They were not great. There were things that um, Selena will probably improve on over the course of time. But the one thing I, I will say is, you, nobody, not very many people can touch her on the microphone. That manager role it was I absolutely ideal. Now, over the course of time, she'll get better with her in ring stuff, and she'll soon, you know, give her a year of wrestling, and she's probably going to be great. So she could have she could have superstar written all over her. But top, what we need to see. Oh, definitely, definitely. I want to stay in the women's division here, and we've seen the introduction of Mandy Rose. And Dana Brooke come in on Raw. 
and had a really, really good match against Natalia and Lana. And at the end of that match, there was a promo cut. And pretty much ended with Mandy saying, we know the Riot Squad is next in line for those tag team titles. But once you're done, and she had that hard look into the camera, and she goes, we're next. And I think Dana Brooke, honestly, underrated. Mandy Rose, could she get better in the ring? I think so. Because we've seen her match with uh, Sonya Deville. Great match at the horror show. Awesome match. Literally, probably one of the better matches of that pay-per-view. And it was one of the matches that a lot of people were were pretty much having that moniker of, during this match, I'm going to go get something to drink and eat. Me, my eyes, I've seen a great match. I've seen a really improved Mandy Rhodes, Rose. And I've seen an even better Mandy Rose on Raw. And I think those two are future women's tag team champions if they keep that tag team together. They're going to get better in time. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, we'll, 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 like, same thing. We'll, we'll see what happens, you know. Um, if they keep them together, keep them stringing together some victories. I wouldn't mind seeing them face the Riot Squad. This team of Shayna and Nia is, like, very... It's not believable that anybody could beat them. No, no. <laughs> they need I mean, to implode. I mean, the one thing they're doing... I mean, they're doing a good thing with that tag team because you have Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Two, two women that, obviously, you know, um, Shayna Baszler, uh, a past, she fought in the uh, UFC in the past. She did MMA, whatever you want to say. And then you have Nia, Nia Jax who they are making her... They're saying she, she's the irresistible force, you know. And the last time an irresistible force was monikered was Andre the Giant. So they're kind of giving her that whole Andre the Giant feel. The only bad part is, is and, and I see it, and I, I kind of want to, you know, pull the curtain back, break kayfabe, whatever you want to call it for the moment. At times when you watch her, I feel like she's being a little too reckless and giving herself that oversize. And I think I spoke about this a while ago with you was... Sometimes I feel like she's not taking care of things in the ring the way she's supposed to. And I think what Nia needs to do when she gets in the ring is slow down a little bit. Yeah, I think that um, the, the internet, I think, agrees with you in general. Um, Nia Jax has kind of got a bad rap ever since uh, Kyrie Sane got hurt. Um, and, I, and I think that fans don't trust her at the moment. Maybe that's why she got put with Shayna in a tag tag position to kind of like rehab that a little bit because she didn't, she was not she was you know in wrestling I guess they call it heat uh, it wasn't good heat <laughs> that she had with the fans so maybe that's maybe that's some of the underlying reasoning there we get exposed to Naya for a while in a tag tag thing she does well there's no Nobody gets hurt, things like that. We get kind of forget about that stuff that happened, and then we bring her back as a monster again. And honestly, like I'm ready to see the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax match whenever they're ready. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing is, I think honestly they're going to get get to the point where we're going to see that tag team, you know, lose their belts almost almost like we've seen with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. I mean, that was a very short storyline, but we've seen it where they were. You know, Braun won at the title, and, and him and Seth tagged up, won the tag titles. And then we've seen at, you know, Clash of Champions last year where they were in the double match, where they defended the tag titles, they lost them, and then they had their match for the Universal title. 
I, I think we're going to get that with these two. The only bad part is, is none of them are going to be holding that Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship to have that second match. And I think with these two, it would be as good, maybe a little better, because they're building that who's bigger, who's tougher. Obviously, Nia Jackson, I'm not taking a, making a dig at her being a bigger woman. Nia Jackson, she's a beautiful woman. She is. I will say that. Um, she has the size. you know. And Shayna Baszler, again, she's a beautiful woman as well, and she has the muscle. Two big women in a nice way. I'm, I'm not being an ass about this. I'm saying this as you know, two big forces going to collide. And I think they can make a better match than Strowman and Seth did last year because this is giving Nia Jax that slowdown, and especially after having the double knee and double ACL surgeries that she had before, um, uh, after WrestleMania last year. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but maybe, you know, again, to see the Nia Jax and, and Shayna Baszler thing come to fruition, how soon is it going to happen? We don't know. Is the ride squad going to go over on them? Are we going to see Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke finally get their bump and, and beat them for the tag titles? You know, the, like I said, Raw the past couple weeks, honestly, has gotten better. And, and to see these two team up on Raw, defend those tag team titles, you know, maybe another team goes over on them. You know, Shayna loses the belt for him or Nia loses the belt. They're going to blame each other and they're going to go at it. Yep. It's a simple storyline that can have a great build. Definitely. Um, one storyline that has been huge on Raw, the Mysterio and Seth Rollins story. And we are now seeing the full Mysterio family on Raw. We are seeing Aaliyah. We're seeing Ray's wife. Dominic's obviously in the business now. He's wrestling. Has had many good matches with Seth. Has had great matches. Honestly, I think he's had better matches with Murphy than he's had with Seth. You know, and we're not seeing Ray in the ring as much. And this storyline has honestly been the highlight of wanting to watch Raw to see what happens next. And we're not seeing championships on the line. We're not seeing, you know, if you lose, you got to retire. We're not seeing if you lose, you got to go to SmackDown. We're just seeing a straight up good storyline that is relatable. A relatable storyline that could happen with families, and it's caught the attention. And Dominic, in my eyes, has been doing a great job in the ring. But the wild card here is Aaliyah. Yeah, I wasn't expect. I mean, I was expecting a little bit because you know the internet's out there. But it's it's interesting that uh, yeah, Aaliyah got thrust so so much into the middle of the story. Um, I'm not sure how long this is meant to play out, but it certainly seems like Aaliyah is going to align herself with Murphy and potentially there's a rift in the Mysterio family. Does Aaliyah join up with Seth Rollins? That seems like a pretty far-fetched thing to happen in real family, but who knows? Well, we've seen that little backstage segment with Seth and Murphy where, you know, Seth walked up to Murphy and said, you know, what's going on, dude? You know, go put on the suit I got you. And Murphy left his phone there. We've seen the text messages you know, the text messages, and I'm doing quotations with my fingers for you, the listeners. We've seen the text messages that were happening between Murphy and Aaliyah. And it's it's pretty much Aaliyah trying to say, you know, Murphy's not a bad guy. It's Seth doing this. And 
I have a feeling that this is going to come down to a fact of, of Murphy's just trying to get in with the family. You know, almost like what we've seen with Bully Ray back in 2011 when he was with uh, with Brooke Hogan and TNA, and he pretty much bought he he pretty much like built that up to the fact where he screwed over Hogan and said to Hogan, you know, this was all my plan. He was the leader of the Aces and Eights. Um, I don't know if you've seen the early TNA days when that happened, uh, but if so, you know, if you haven't, go definitely go on uh, Impact Plus and check that out. It was a great storyline. It, it was a year storyline that built up. A full year storyline. It was great, and it came to fruition um, at uh, I believe it was lockdown in 2011. It happened in Texas, and Bully Ray ended up winning the TNA title over Jeff Hardy. But I digress on this. Um, I think it's a it's a thing where Buddy Murphy is trying to get into the Mysterio family, only to try and turn a Mysterio family member to join Seth Rollins because. If you go over the things like the AEW, you have a have the Dark Order, and we see, you know, it was all you know. You had number one, you had uh, you know, Uno. Uno, and then you had everybody else in the Dark Order, and then Anna J comes in. They added the female aspect, just like the Nightmare Family added the female aspect. I think this is the fact where they are trying to get the female aspect in their group. Yep, that's. Fair. And they're kind, and they're, it's kind of like, okay, we have this girl who's naive to the business. Let's try and get her, and let's try and get her because she's in the family. We are trying to pull apart. Pull apart. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like, um, I guess when SummerSlam ended and Payback ended and all that stuff, I was like, okay, I feel like we've got the period on this story with Ray and. Dominic and Seth and all that like it's it's kind of run its course it's over um it is interesting now there's like it's got a little bit more life left into it um I I think that Ray is injured right now which is why we don't see him in the ring that much um so I, some of this might be like let's buy ourselves some time for him to get back but yeah I think that Look, I don't think anybody ever thought that Dominic was going to beat Seth Rollins one-on-one. -on -one. But now with Murphy, A, their styles work well together. And B, Murphy's a little bit lower down the card. Um, and it's more believable that Dominic can, can get some, some victories in. So the, the feud is more competitive. It's, it makes it more interesting. Um, and then you still have the Seth and the Ray thing happening kind of on the sideline. My question is, how long is this going to go? Are we going to go all the way to WrestleMania with this thing? I mean, because that'll be like an eleven-month story. Um, I mean, I honestly, and I'm going to say this right now. I mean, if some form of something gets involved to where this storyline breaks off a little bit, and we see like Seth Rollins, you know, become WWE champion or like a United States champion. Or if Ray breaks off for a little bit and wins the United States title, or even Dominic, if I think if we have a championship involved come WrestleMania and this storyline's still going, yes. Um, even if there isn't a championship, honestly, the way this story's going right now, I, I honestly have a feeling that this storyline could go to WrestleMania, and. It can come down to Dominic against Ray, 
and Dominic ends up finally joining Seth at some point throughout the year. You know, that's kind of where you think the story. I, I, if I were betting, I would, I would say that regardless of uh, Seth Rollins' involvement, I think the story probably does culminate with Ray versus Dominic at WrestleMania. So maybe there's a maybe there is a you know they go for tag titles and things like that down the road. Um, Seth continues to stir the pot. Um, but then at some point they you know maybe something happens which leads to the actual Mysterio family match. Okay. The the yeah the Mysterio family payoff because I mean if you think of it this way I mean and and you know the listeners I mean you guys can definitely. You know, messages here and, and put in your thoughts and, and send videos, uh, not videos, uh, like audio messages on your thoughts on this. Um, but, I mean, if you think of it, you know, it could come down to the fact of Dominic saying, Hey, Dad, you know, Seth came down and helped Buddy Murphy, even he, even though he attacked Murphy and did all this stuff to Murphy, he still helped Murphy. Where was your help with me? I was in these matches and you did nothing to help me and I'm getting attacked by kendo sticks and steel chairs and all types of stuff. Dad, where were you? It could break down to just Dominic pretty much saying, Dad, other than me asking you to not help me in my one match, with my first match with Seth, you know, you didn't help me as much. And it's kind of gotten me to the point where, you know what? Seth got me. I understand where Seth's coming from now. And we could see a Mysterio match at, at WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. Bottom line. So, to, to kind of hit a couple other things that happened on Raw real quick, little snippets. Um, you know, we see the... And the one thing I love about this is the fact that we have been reintroduced, and I don't know, you're going to know where I'm going with this, we have been reintroduced to a character that is not a physically seen character. Little Jimmy is back with R-Truth. R-Truth is a 41-time 24-7 champion. And that is another small storyline that has just been so interesting because not only is Tazawa involved, but now we got Drew Gulak involved. <laughs> you know, and you being you being a, a native of Pennsylvania have to be smiling whenever you can see Drew Gulak on the on the, the TV. Um, it is a, it's a little like weird to me that Drew kind of showed up on Raw when, you know, it was a, there's been a lot of switching back and forth, like, right before the draft. It feels kind of weird. But, uh, but you know, Drew Gulak, regardless of what, what he does, he's, he's very, very good. So, um, you know, Truth has kind of carved out a niche for himself with this 24-7 title. It keeps him very relevant. Um, he doesn't. He's on the show every week without having to be programmed against, you know, uh, in a lo- in a losing effort or anything like that. So, you know, Truth's up there in years, and he's still very, very active on the show and a big part of it. So it's fun, uh, and maybe the same thing can happen for a guy like uh, Drew Gulak. It certainly is a role that you can have a lot of longevity in. Oh, dude, and I definitely popped hard when he got the letter, and he was like, oh, this is in Chinese or Japanese, and he said, oh, yeah, it's it's in English, too, and it's Drew Gulak, <clears throat> excuse me, handing him the note, and then you see Tazawa come out right behind him after he reads the English version, I was eaten by a shark. It's like, first off, Truth, dude, 
I understand you you have your 24-7-11, you know, I-95 European 24-7 championship. <laughs> but he made it to like, dude, he was eaten by a shark. How are you getting a letter from somebody that was eaten by a shark? Okay. Then we see Tozawa come out and pull the pin. But not only that, then he wins the title. Drew Gulak hits him with the briefcase. The letter was in. He wins the title. And Drew Gulak was like, oh, yeah. And then we have our truth hit him with the briefcase. And wins his 40, 41st 24-7 championship. And then later on, we get the triple threat and truth goes over. And keeps his belt. Which was not a bad match at all for a belt that a lot of people don't like. But I will say this. When you go to live events or even televised events, and I had the opportunity, you know, we met at Illumination Chamber, and you see the kids' belts that are on sale, they sell out because the kids want that belt. And R-Truth, like you said, R-Truth is making it relevant. He's making himself relevant with a championship that, as adults, we're like, oh, this championship's kind of uh, like a throw-off championship. We don't like this championship. But the kids like it. Yeah. And that's what WWE is kind of basing their programming around a little bit. Yeah. To, um, yeah, they have something for everybody, I think is the big thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the, the, the Rollins storyline that we were just talking about with Ray is not necessarily a kid friendly story, but, no. um, but, but yeah, there's something for everybody. But it is, it is a family-related, relatable storyline because, you know, I have... A, for example, you know, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and, you know, she's getting into, and I'm kind of going off track here a little bit, but I have a 14-year-old daughter, and she's starting to get into the whole, you know, you know, she's liking boys and thinking boys are cute and all that stuff, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this, she does have, she does have a friend who they have, in quotations, dated, I wouldn't really consider it dated because they're young yet, and still, you know, naive to adult life and dating, but, Again, I just use that word, naive. Yeah. They're naive to dating because they don't know what actual dating is right now. And that's the relatable story of Aaliyah is she's naive to the business. So in a sense, even with me having a 14-year-old daughter, she's starting to like boys, but she's naive to dating. She doesn't understand the full concept of dating yet. So in a sense, yeah, it may not be kid-friendly, but it could be teenage-esque friendly because of the fact of being naive to, you know, real-life situations when it comes to dating, where in this case, Aaliyah is naive to the situations of pro wrestling. Right. So, kids under 14, 15-year-olds, yes, non-relatable, but kids that are in their 14, 15, their teen years, you know, starting the, the whole liking girls, liking boys thing, naive. And that's the yep. relatable part to this storyline. And it's definitely, you know, it's, that's the understanding of it. Um, just kind of switch gears here. I mean, we got a lot of things to get over here today. Um, we've seen a huge return. And, and I wanted to quickly base on this. And I was very unhappy with this return. We got Bobby Roode. He was the open challenger for the WWE Championship on Raw. We've seen Bobby Roode and and Drew McIntyre in the past. NXT, Bobby Roode obviously won the NXT title over Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was not NXT champion for very long. Um, but the reason why I was not happy about this return was the fact of 
<clears throat> Bobby Roode, I feel like, should have been a bigger return. I think this should have been a return to where he came out and said, I want to challenge you for that WWE Championship, but not tonight. Now, I know the story with Randy's not over because, obviously... Alright, guys, so we're back. I apologize. We had some technical difficulties. Last thing I was talking about was the Bobby Roode thing. I was upset about this Bobby Roode return because, one... This should have been a bigger return. I understand we got the Randy Orton thing. Uh, he attacked the Legends at the end of the show on Monday night. But, honestly, I think we could see something with Bobby Roode down the road with Drew McIntyre. They had great matches, or a great match. I think they had one or two matches in NXT for the NXT title. They did great there, and I think it could be definitely a lot better on main, main TV. We've seen Bobby Roode in the past with, Drew, with, uh, with Dolph Ziggler, and it's it just... I, I don't know. I think this could have just been a better return. The return on Raw was really cool to see him. But I think this could have been a better return. I think we could have got something definitely a lot better on this. I think that, uh, uh, unfortunately, to some people's detriment, I think um, people get kind of pigeonholed into a certain spot on the card. And I think Robert Roode, well, he makes a good, like, he, he made a good splash back this week as a challenger. Um, I think that you know, in, inside the company, he's maybe not considered to be part of that upper tier of guys. So he's that's probably why he's positioned in such a way. Um, the other match that was announced for Raw this week already, which, by the way, was surprising for Raw to announce matches in advance, but they did announce that it's going to be Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode versus Drew McIntyre and the Street Profits. So what it says to me right away is, okay, Ziggler and Rude as a tag team back together, probably uh, fighting it out with the Street Profits for the tag titles. That's probably where we're going to see Rude from here. So we're basically seeing, you know, now FTR and AEW, but back in uh, back when they were with WWE, they were the Revival. We're basically seeing the Revival being replaced by Rude and Ziggler with Orton. In a sense. Yeah. Alright, so, guys, uh, we did have the technical difficulties. Uh, we're going to take a 10-second break here. We will be back, and we have some, some a little bit of news to break through. And then Ryan is going to talk about Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, give us about 10 seconds, and we will be back. What's up, Wrestling City fans? This is Mike from Wrestling City, a pro wrestling podcast. You know, the holidays are coming up, and I know with this pandemic, things are going to be a little shaky, a little tough, not so easy to get for your friends or family, or even that secret Santa at work for your coworker that, uh, you know, you pick their name out of the hat or the bag or however you're going to do it at work. And if you have any spending limits, I got the perfect place. I mean, they may like getting a tattoo. They may like getting a piercing. They may need new, need new jewelry for that piercing they already have existing, or they may have a tattoo they want to get covered up, you know, something they got in the past and uh, they don't like right now and they're not going to like in the future. I got the perfect place. Here in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I got the perfect shop to go to. Critical Acclaim Tattoo. They're located at 3035 Lehigh Street, Allentown, Pennsylvania, 18103. I get my tattoo work done there and I get my piercings done there. Great staff. Brandon's a great owner and he's got a great staff of people working for him. Shelby, Lulu, even Aaron, and beyond. He's got a few people helping out the shop throughout the weeks. 
and they'd like to see you guys walk in. And hey, even though we got to wear those masks right now to protect ourselves from COVID-19, they still would like to see your smiling faces walk through the door every day. So head over to Critical Acclaim Tattoo, 3035 Lehigh Street, Allentown, Pennsylvania, or you can give them a call to schedule an appointment, 610-433-8282. Again, that's Critical Acclaim Tattoo at 3035 Lehigh Street, Allentown, Pennsylvania, 18103. The phone number again is 610-433-8282. All right, guys, we are back here on Wrestling City, and we have some, some news real quick. We we're going to just touch base on this since we haven't been on in three weeks. Uh, we did lose a very legendary person two weeks ago, Road Warrior Animal, um, from the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, uh, whatever you'd like to call them. Uh, literally the best tag team known to date, I mean, still to known to date, one of the best tag teams ever. Um in a lot of fans' eyes, and a lot of wrestlers, you know, they re back in the day, the Road Warriors, um, when they would show up or be in an event, they used to get a huge pop, and now the guys and the girls pretty much refer to when they get a huge pop, they call it the, the Road Warriors pop. Um, you know, real quick, my favorite match of all time, and I will say this, in the past two weeks since his passing, I've gone back and watched some of the Road Warriors uh, slash Legion of Doom matches. And one of my favorite matches was when they won the tag team titles over the Nasty Boys. And which was a great match. I mean, we've seen, you know, the Road Warriors come back in the uh, late 90s when they teamed up with like Ahmad Johnson. And then we've seen uh, Road Warrior Animal uh, in, I believe it was like in the early 2000s, team up with, um, I think it was uh, Heidenreich, was it? Yep, yeah, yep. they tried to do the whole, they tried to give him a push by, by teaming him with the Animal. And, um, you know, we lost Hawk early back in, I believe it was 2003. And now we're 17 years removed from that. And, you know, it, it didn't only hit the, the boys and girls in the professional wrestling world. It hit a lot of us fans. And, uh, you know, it was sad to, uh, sad to hear that news. And it was crazy because it was a week a week after his birthday, and literally the he passed away the morning after his wedding anniversary with his wife. And you sit back and really think, and I'll say this. I'll... So to continue with the news uh, on Road Warrior Animal, I sat back and really thought to myself, you know, I'm 34 years old and I'm single. You know, I'm not with anybody, but I will say this: the next relationship I do end up in, I'm going to appreciate it a lot more because of the fact of. You just never know in life. He was 60 years old. He was young. He was in great shape. And, you know, went from natural causes, as far as I heard. And I don't know the full story on what happened. But, you know, seeing him on TV, seeing him on, on Dark Side of the Ring when they did the Road Warriors uh, special, you know, he seemed like a very, very relevant guy. He seemed like a guy that you'd want to sit down and just have a chat with, you know. And hearing the great stories from guys like Tommy Dreamer, you know, about Road Warrior Animal was just, like, really cool. And that gave me the thought, like, to really just start appreciating things a lot more in life because you just never know. You know, being 34 and having the physical ailments that I have, it's like I can't do as much, but I'm going to do the things I can the best I can because of the fact and enjoy things in life because you just never know. So, rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you have some things you'd like to say about Road Warrior Animal. Well... 
I, mean, I think you've got most of the most of the things. You know, is it is interesting? I, I watched Dark Side of the Ring when it came out. I felt like I was watching. You know, it was, it was helpful for me to hear Paul Ellering and Animal talk about Hawk, and I was kind of reassured at that time. I was like, okay, well, Animal led a much cleaner lifestyle than Hawk, so I was like, you know, maybe he'll be around for a while. You know, he's just 60 years old, feels way too young. Um, not sure what happened other than, I, I believe, a heart attack. So, you know, like I said, life's too short. Um, appreciate what you got, and, and uh, rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. Yeah, and the one, what a rush. the one thing I did see, I seen online the other day, I seen the, uh, the NFL film sing with him and his kid who played for the, uh, the St. Louis Rams at that time. Um, just seeing how much he appreciated, you know, putting his son before him, you know, and, and saying, you know, he's the star of the family. I'm no longer the star. I was the star. Now he's the star. His brother, who is John Laurinaitis, you know, he's the star right now because he's doing stuff in WWE. So that was just really cool to see that stuff. But we're going to seg right into New Japan and Impact. And some interesting things are happening in Impact. Uh, if you want to start with Impact, we do get Victory Road tonight on the a, on the uh, Impact Plus app, which I'm very excited to find out that you reminded me of because I will actually be able to watch this pay per view tonight. <laughs> yeah, let me let me just quickly uh, as a way of, of talking about Impact, um, I'll go ahead and run down through the Victory Road card um, because. That, that's a show, it's kind of like our halfway point between the last pay-per-view and Bound for Glory. That's kind of what Victory Road is serving as. So let, let me run down through the card, and then we'll circle back and talk about whatever uh, we want. So the main event is Eric Young defending the Impact World Championship against former champion Eddie Edwards. The Knockouts Championship will be defended by Deanna Perrazzo against Susie. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is in a short feud here uh, with Brian Myers, who is formerly known as Kurt Hawkins. Um, Jordan Grace, the former Knockouts champion, is facing Tennille Dashwood. Uh, they've already had three matches, so this will be number four. Reno Scum is facing Rhino and Heath Slater. Heath is not under contract, so this is a unsanctioned match there is the defeat Rohit challenge where Rohit is uh, Raju is defending the X Division challenge, uh, championship in what is somewhat of an open challenge um, but he tends to come up with a reason why some every person is not eligible to fight him so we'll see who answers that and then um, there's a four way match between Ace Austin, Carl Anderson Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander, which is a, a preview of an upcoming tag match at uh, Bound for Glory for the tag titles. So that's the card for tonight. It's a pretty good card. Um, I think it has, uh, most likely has a lot of uh, Bound for Glory ramifications on it. So uh, any, anything from that strike you that you think would be interesting to talk about? Um, I'm actually really excited and, and to run down this card and actually finally get to see an Impact pay-per-view because it's been a long time since I've seen anything that, you know, was TNA-esque type of deal turning into Impact. Um, I'm honestly, and you're going to probably be really surprised by this, 
I'm really excited to see the uh, Tommy Dreamer match. So let me ta- let me just like because I know you haven't seen it, and perhaps a lot of our our listeners haven't either. the The way this feud came about was Brian Myers was in an interview, and the interviewer asked him some questions he didn't like, and he flipped over a table. So Tommy Dreamer happens to be in the hallway, and he walks over. And he's like, "Why do you gotta disrespect everybody?" By, by tip, he's like, pick it up. And Brian Myers like, I'm not picking it up. He's like, and, and so Dreamer put, pressed him to pick it up. And ultimately, uh, Brian Myers, Kurt Hawkins, picked everything up, but he said, don't let me see you in the hallway again. <laughs> and then the next week on Impact, they walk by each other in the hallway. And, and Myers says, I told you not to let me see you in the hallway. And they get in a little bit of a brawl, and then they end up that then this match gets signed. So is this the, the the big thing that caused this feud is Brian Myers kicked over a table and Tommy Dreamer didn't like it. <laughs> a, 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 a simple a simple storyline feud that this match could end up stealing the show. Could it'll be. be it'll be, you know as weird as it says it sounds, uh Brian Myers is on a bit of a winning streak. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, another one I am excited to see is um, the uh, the Eric Young Eddie Edwards match. I've I've explained to you I've seen some of Eddie Edwards' early work. I didn't see any of his current work, and I am excited about this match because of the fact we only seen Eric Young on WWE TV twice in two years since he was on Raw, and the last time we seen him was I believe against Drew McIntyre before Drew started turning face. And that was when Drew was on his tendency of destroying people. Yeah, I, th- um, I think he lost to Aleister Black on Raw earlier this year as well. But generally speaking, yeah, he was irrelevant on WWE television. Um, he went into Impact. They immediately put him as a um, mystery opponent in the main event, yep. the last pay per view. Slammiversary. Yep, and then he, uh, so he did that, and then I want to say it was next week or two weeks later, he answered Eddie Edwards' open challenge for the, the championship. Um, I guess it was several weeks later. Um, he answered it, and he won the title. So they immediately put the strap on him, and he is the uh, he's a maniac, and he, now he's defending the title. Uh, this is this is. Uh, Edwards' return match for the championship to try to get it back. But he's already got uh, Eric Young versus Rich Swan signed for Bound for Glory. So um, if Edwards wins here, of course, that'll be revisited, but that's a grudge match between Young and Swan. Now, my, my question is, is, I thought Rich Swan was injured and he had to retwi- retire. Well, that's, I, th- I believe that's just a storyline angle. So Rich Swan, um, Eric Young... Rich Swan returned from a what, like a nine ten month uh, injury, mm-hmm. and Rich uh, Eric Young, uh, I'm using air quotes, immediately put him on the shelf. So, um, and then attacked him, and you know they he basically announced that he had to retire. So, but then Eric Young attacked him after the retirement speech, and that's what led to this. Yeah. So, so, so. Um, to so looking forward to that pay per view tonight. Definitely. I'm excited because it's going to be on the Impact app. I have the Impact app. I get to go back and watch all the old stuff, which I'm really cool with. 
I do do get to see some of the current stuff, but the bad part is, is their updating system is kind of far behind, so I really don't watch the uh, the current stuff. So, um, but I'm really excited to watch this pay per view tonight because of the fact is it's on the Impact app. I have it and I get to see it. So anybody who does not does want to does want to see Impact, uh, but can't see Impact because they don't have the channel that Impact is on. Um, you know, get the Impact Plus app. It's worth it. It's, I believe, $5.99 a month. You can go back and watch old TNA stuff. You can watch old Impact stuff, new Impact stuff. It's a great app to have for $5.99. If you can pay $10.99 or $9.99 for the WWE, then you can definitely get the Impact. Just think of that, $15 of pro wrestling for between WWE and Impact. That's freaking amazing. Um, one thing that's going on right now that, again, I don't get to see, but you get to watch and see is the G1 Climax Tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is the 30th edition of the tournament, and it is very, very competitive. Um, we're So the, the G1 Climax is a round-robin tournament, so it's different than, you know, it's not single elimination. It's broken into two blocks of 10 wrestlers. So that means there's uh, 18 events, before the finals, where the A block champion beats their uh, challenge, uh, faces the B block champion. So right now, um, there's nobody that's undefeated through through the first four matches. Um, and Will Osprey defeated Jay White in the last A block mat, uh, event, and that was a big deal because Jay White was undefeated. But now Will Osprey defeating Jay White sits pretty much at the top. Um, of the A block, but there are five guys in the A block that are three and one. Osprey, Tai Chi, Jay White, uh, Kota Ibushi, and Minoru Suzuki. Um, so, so that's pretty much wide open. Um, you've got Okada's behind them by one match with two and three, or, or two and two. So it's pretty much wide open. Pretty maybe six six different people that are content contending for. A block finals uh, on the B block side, it's a little less so, but it's still you've got seven guys that are two and two or three and one. So it's it's also very very wide open. Um, Juice Robinson, Tetsuya Naito, Toru Yanu, all three and one, and then Evil Kenta and Zack Saber Jr. are two and two. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi also two and two. Um, Toru Yanu is pretty much a com- comedy wrestler. Um, and he won his first three matches, was undefeated through three. He beat the former IWGP heavyweight champion. Um, he beat, I think he beat Tanahashi, so he had some really big wins. Um, he's kind of a spoiler. You know, he, he you don't usually look for him to have a good record in the G1, but he usually is the one who causes the block leaders to lose a match. So, um so that's kind of the G1 standings right now. There's several events. The next event's Monday, um, and that'll be A Block. So um, there's still nine more matches. I know you just put in a big plug for the the uh, Impact uh, app and service, but New Japan costs 999 yen per month, which is about $9.20. Um, and I think it's a great service. Uh, I'm watching all of these things with Japanese commentary because the, the United States uh, English commentators aren't over there, but um, but it's it's worth every penny to me because 
I get to watch, you know, just this one tournament alone, there's 18 events that I'm getting for roughly nine bucks. So. And what's the, what's the website called for our listeners uh, to get to that so they can watch the G1? They'd like it's it's uh, New Japan World, which is njpwworld.com. But they have, a, they have a secondary website called it's NJP, NJPW1972, which if you don't want to um, get the service and you just want to know what's going on, NJPW1972 is a really good English uh, news site that they have with all the schedules and all the results and all that stuff. All right, sounds good, guys. So there you go. There you have it. If you want to catch some of the G1, definitely head to those sites. Like you said, it's it's definitely worth every penny that you get because you get some great pro wrestling. Again, pro wrestling is alive and well right now. A lot of great things going on. And I want to segue into something. We were going to break this into a different segment, but not too much to talk about, but one big thing that's happening in AEW right now, and that is the return of Cody. Had a huge return two weeks ago, and you had the pleasure of seeing the return live and in person. What was that like, just to see, just to see Cody come out the way he did and dominate the Dark Order the way he did? So I think, I mean, he definitely got a pop. You know, Road Warrior pop, not the 500 people there. Yeah. But, uh, um, but it was, it was, it was, it was really cool. I was excited to actually be there for it. Um, my, my initial thought was, oh my God, black hair, what are you doing? <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, he had a, he had a great return. He had a good promo on last week's Dynamite, yes. but Brody Lee, whoa! Um, he finished his match with Orange Cassidy. Got attacked by Cody. Went to the back, and he lit up Cody Rhodes on the mic. That was an intense promo from him, and he challenged him to the dog collar match, which we're going to see next week. I'll be there. And jealous, jealous. I uh, <laughs> the, the, my first thought was. Cody Rhodes likes to bleed. <laughs> you know these dog, this dog collar match is going to be bloody. Yep. And I can't believe he has black hair because the blonde hair, I, I always thought the reason he had it is because red shows up so well. You'd like, to have, you'd like to have, as they like to say in the wrestling business, they'd like to have color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They would like to have color. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to see Cody back the way he is now. A lot of, a lot of people are saying it's a heel Cody Rhodes, but I don't think it's a heel Cody Rhodes. I think it's more of a resurgent like, don't F with me, Cody Rhodes. Because back when he had the blonde hair, he had the TNT title, had the open challenges, you know, brought guys in, you know, like, and like, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. They just signed him to uh, um, Eddie Kingston. You know, yeah. Eddie Kingston's been doing a great job since he's been signed to AEW. He did a great job his first night on when he came out for the open challenge. So, you know, had a lot of great matches during that open challenge. But now this is basically like a Cody Rhodes of saying, don't F with me, dude. You messed with my family. You messed with the Nightmare family. You put me in a casket. I'm back. And excuse my language, I'm back to whip your ass and get my title back. Bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we're trying to put a bow on the show here, but, you know, we do – it is this week is also 30 years of Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, so I feel bad about cutting AEW short yeah. um, on some of this stuff, but do you have a favorite Chris Jericho moment from my- the last 30 30- my favorite Chris Jericho moment was, and you know what, 30 years of Chris Jericho, 
you kind of go back and watch some of his old stuff. And that is one thing I did do this week. I went on the WWE Network, and I kind of went back and uh, watched some of Chris Jericho's old stuff. And it was more WWE stuff. I didn't really touch base too much on his WCW stuff, because I know he, uh, he didn't have too many huge moments in WCW. But my favorite moment, and a lot of people are going to be like, how the hell can you actually have this as your favorite moment? My favorite moment was when he won the uh, Undisputed Championship because he beat two of the biggest top guys in professional wrestling at that time. And you thought at that time, you had that time, they, you thought at that time, it's like, why are they giving a guy like Chris Jericho this push? But at the same time, it's like, wait, he is a really great worker. And he could storytell. And he could do a lot of good stuff. And to put the belt on him, well, the two belts on him, was just smart because he did great with it. And honestly, that was my favorite, my favorite Chris Jericho moment. If I had to pick something to go up against that, it would be his storyline with Kevin Owens before he left WWE. I will always look back fondly on the Y2J countdown clock. Um... And then making his debut in that interview segment with The Rock. Um, you know, I, I don't think he won the battle of words with the with the great one, so to speak, that night. But uh, I just remember The Rock looking at him and saying, "Who in the blue hell are you?" <laughs> uh, I'm Chris Jericho, baby. <laughs> and one thing, one thing I find funny when you say that is, you go back when WCW closed. And we all sat back and thought, where the hell is Sting? Why is Sting not here? And we find out later on down the road why Sting didn't come over when WCW closed. Because The Rock cut the promo on Booker T on the whole, who in the blue hell are you? It's like he mentioned Booker T, but Sting had no mention of Chris Jericho. And Jericho was there in 99, literally two years before WCW closed the door. Yep. So that just goes to show... Chris Jericho in WCW was not a talent that a lot of people looked at. And he really made his push out. You know, he did the Smoky Mountain wrestling. He was in Smoky Mountain for a little bit. You know, he did the ECW thing for a little bit. You know, then he went to WCW and now he then went to WWE, now AEW. You know, he's had a hell of a career. And honestly, he's going to have a hell of a future career because not only is he great in the ring, he's great on commentary. He does yeah. a great job in commentary. So... I think, honestly, he's setting himself up to when, you know, JR or Tony Giovanni decide to retire, that he could take that spot. Bottom yep. line, that's going to help AEW down the road. You know? Yep. Um, so, yeah, to cut AEW a little short, we apologize to the listeners today, but uh, we did have to start a little later here today, and, and we don't want to... We don't want to run too much time. You know, Ryan's got some stuff going on today. I got some stuff going on today. So, uh, not to cut things short, but we do have a pay-per-view tomorrow night on the WWE Network. We got NXT TakeOver 31. And honestly, when you look at this card, and if you don't mind me running down the card here, if I miss something, please cut in. We got uh, Santo Escobar defending the Cruiserweight Championship against Isaiah Swerve Scott. We got the NXT North American title, Damian Priest defending against Johnny Gargano. We got the NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai defending against Candice LeRae. We got Kushida versus Velveteen Dream. And we got the NXT Championship where Finn Balor is defending against Kyle O'Reilly. Did I miss anything on this card? 
You got them all. Got, got them all. Sweet, because I would like to touch base on two things from NXT on Wednesday night. My first thing was, out of the whole show, and there were a few great matches, but one match that really just caught my eye was Shotzi Blackheart against Dakota Kai to kick off. Great match, and they had a spot in the match that was kind of questionable where they both could have been injured, and you go back and look, and it was when the slice bread was done on the ring apron. Yeah. And I think that move right there cut that match a little short. 13 minutes, 10 seconds, the longest match on the show that, that day. It was the opener. Good opener. Um, Blackheart over Kai. I thought it was, yeah, it's, it's nice because it kind of sets up um, who's next after the Io Shirai and uh, Candice LeRae match. So, yep, I agree. Definitely, definitely a great match, and I think that match could have gone at least another seven minutes, but I think I think what might have happened, and they kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit, I think they were told, cut this short, you guys need to be checked out. We've seen them both get back in the ring. Dakota Kai missed a kick uh, in the turnbuckle there, and then Shaji Blackheart ran over, did the, did the little uh, roll-up, and got the win. Um, but again, great match. Maybe they'll schedule a match again. Maybe it will be a hidden match on NXT TakeOver that's not scheduled yet. Maybe we'll see it next week. Hopefully we do see another match. Hopefully they're both okay. That's the number one thing in pro wrestling. And, that, and that's one thing people really lose themselves in. They, they, you know, they don't think about it too much because you kind of get blinded by, you know, the great matches and stuff like that. But hopefully they are okay and that we could see them back in the ring and maybe get another awesome match between these two. Um, <clears throat> to kind of fast forward a little bit, we have Kyle O'Reilly challenging for the NXT Championship. Um, great video package on NXT. And then a great sit-down with Finn Balor. I mean, that was an amazing sit-down. That really made the show. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, I think, is going to be a great challenge for Finn Balor. I don't necessarily see him winning the NXT title. But if he does, I think that will segue into a great match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. I think this is going to be the... We're going to come to fruition here a little bit, if I'm using the right word. We're going to be. I think we're going to come to the point where we're not going to see Undisputed Era anymore. Because, yeah, we've seen Adam Cole do that little thing with Austin, Austin, uh, uh, I can't get his last name. Theory. Yeah, Austin Theory, um, a little bit. But I think this is going to come down to the fact where I think Kyle O'Reilly can win the NXT Championship from Finn Balor. We see a feud between Finn Balor and Adam Cole. And let's get Finn Balor back. I know Finn Balor was having a little bit of issues with the travel and everything right now. They're not traveling right now. Get Finn Balor back on the main roster, and let's finally see the demon against the fiend. <laughs> demon against the fiend by WrestleMania. Let's do it. Let's see it. Who loses? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it's honestly, I mean, the way things are going. I mean, when you see Finn Balor as the demon, you know how many times has Finn Balor lost as the demon? Never. Never. How many times has Bray Wyatt lost as the Fiend? I think we said twice. Exactly. Rollins, Rollins and... Uh... Exactly. So, yeah. I think, honestly, if you have to look at it, I think, yeah, we've seen Finn Balor lose as Finn Balor against the Fiend, but I honestly think we see the Demon defeat the Fiend. Because the Fiend is supposed to be one of those evil characters. Finn Balor's playing as the Demon. You know, you go if you go into the paranormal world, the Demon is the Devil. There you go. Bottom yeah. line, Finn Balor defeats the, the demon, defeats the fiend. 
Bottom line, I'm a huge Fiend fan, but the Demon defeats the Fiend. So, if you want to make some predictions real quick on the NXT TakeOver, sure. before we uh, say goodbye to everybody today, um, if you want to go with your predictions first. Candice LeRae. Damian Priest. Swerve Scott. Finn Balor. Kushida. Alright, so... I'm going to go with uh, Santos Escobar. Um, I think he's been a great champion. Um, very believable champion ever since he's made his debut as Santos Escobar and got, got away from the mask. Uh, I'm getting Johnny Gargano going over on Damian Priest. Uh, I do have Candice LeRae going over on Io Shirai just because I think we are going to finally see a power couple be champions. And the last time I think we've seen a power couple be champions was when... Stephanie McMahon and Triple H were champions at the same time. Um, I do got Kushida uh, being defeated by Velveteen Dream. I think that could be a bigger story than what it is right now. And I got Finn... Sadly enough, I got Finn Balor over Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, as much as I would like to see Kyle O'Reilly win, like we just talked about, and have a feud with Adam Cole, I think we see Kyle O'Reilly maybe win it at the next NXT TakeOver. Not this one right now. So... Too early for him. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so there we have it, guys. Um, this week here on Wrestling City. Um, any final thoughts on anything, Ryan? Before we say goodbye to everybody today. What a rush! Definitely, what a rush. I mean, great way to end today. I mean, again, rest in peace, animal. Sad thing. Um, it still hits hard on the wrestling world. You still want to go back and watch those matches. And guys, WWE Network is a great thing to do. Um, and check out the Dark Side of the Ring special on the Road Warriors. Um, it's on Hulu right now. You can definitely check it out. They have both seasons of Dark Side of the Ring um, on Hulu. Um, but yeah, definitely check that out. It was on season two. It was the second last episode. So other than that, we got Impact uh, tonight. We got uh, Victory Road. We got... Uh, NXT TakeOver tomorrow, then we got Monday Night Raw, and then obviously we have regular scheduling with uh, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Impact, everything pro wrestling. So until next week, guys, uh, I'm Mike, here with Ryan. We are Wrestling City, a pro wrestling podcast, and we will catch you guys next Saturday. Till then, enjoy the week of pro wrestling.